welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It, writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt. Today, we are having a fun, fun time because we are talking about one of my favorite characters, no lie, one of my favorite characters who is completely and utterly underrepresented in the show, in the franchise, as well as poorly written, and that is Beverly Crusher, Dr. Beverly Crusher to you. That's right, Dr. Beverly Crusher. We're not talking about Wesley today. We're talking about Dr. Beverly Crusher, Wesley's mother. And I have to fully agree with you. She was one of, she was a gem. And Gates McFadden is a gem of an actress, completely underutilized, completely underrepresented, and occasionally, yes, very horribly written. It, you've heard it a thousand times before. If you've been in the fandom for any moment of time, you have heard about how it's a travesty what they've done to Crusher or what they haven't done to Crusher because I, I'm not saying that everybody likes her. That I'm not saying that at all because there's plenty no. of people who don't like her. But I like her. I think she's great. I think Gates McFadden is great. I love the character. I think she's quick-witted. I think she's smart. I think she's resourceful. I think she's Wicked. caring yeah. and loving. And she knows her job. She's good at her job. She doesn't take any crap from anybody. But the writers <laughs> just had no idea what to do with her. You know, I think this was just generally a problem with the women on The Next Generation. Yes, they were there. There was female representation. But when it actually came to writing stories for these characters... Occasionally, it, it strikes me that the writers really didn't know what to do with them if they weren't writing a romance for them. Because that's apparently the only thing women can do. It's so weird because it makes you wonder how Jerry Taylor interacted with, uh, with people, with other writers and other producers on TNG because obviously she flourished in Voyager. Yeah, well, and she had a big hand, though, on Next Generation. She came aboard, she I did. think, in the third season I really wondered, like, if I could be a fly on the wall for a lot of those meetings where they're breaking stories and whatnot, how did she, like, yeah, what was her presence? Did she kind of help reshape things? Did she make uh, some of the male writers take a step back and rethink things or not? Yeah, it makes you wonder how much control she had or how much influence she had because obviously the writing vastly improved season three onward, and I'm sure that she was a huge reason for that. Oh, certainly. She really had a talent for kind of tapping into the humanity of the characters. So she became a huge asset in that way. But when it came to characters like Dr. Crusher, well, we saw it so rarely. And Jonathan Frakes even said that Jerry Taylor was one of his favorite people on the show. Oh, cool. Good to know. And as a director, as Jonathan Frakes is like one of the lead stars and a director of the show, an oftentimes director... Yeah, You know, like it just goes to show like how much influence she probably had or how much positive influence she had. But yeah, it's just it was the 80s and 90s. I'm sure that certain networks and people weren't ready for like, I mean, this is a franchise that started with a woman as the XO and then they busted her down to an <laughs> assistant, you know, yeah. medical professional. 
Right. I kind of wonder if Jerry Taylor uh, sort of reserved her uh, her feminist attitude, because she is a declared feminist, for Voyager, where she's a very 1970s feminist, meaning she was a mm-hmm. part of that whole, you know, bra-burning revolution type of feminist, where that led to women wanting to be the super women in the 90s, where they wanted to do it all. They wanted the career, but they were also going to have kids, raise a family, do the whole thing, and were expected to do all the housework while they were at it, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just the way it was at the time. And that became very representative of Janeway in the 90s. Maybe she just hadn't quite turned that corner with next-gen characters. I don't know. Does that make any sense? I think it makes sense, but I think it probably just meant the amount of influence. I mean, like she co-created Voyager, so she had way more say than as a than on Voyager than she did as a writer coming in to a show that's true, already been established. True. And and granted, not only should women be writing women characters, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying Jerry Taylor's influence really peaked with Voyager and so Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe in the next generation days folks like Ronald Dean Moore, Brandon Braga just yeah, I really think they missed the ball with Beverly Crusher because she's a little quirky. She is wicked smart. There was a lot they could do with her. So today, let's fix this problem. Let's flesh her out and give her more life. It's one of those circumstances where, like, we, we've done this before, where we've taken a ca- character and revitalized them or changed them. We, I think we changed Neelix the most. Yeah, Probably. A previous character that we worked on that is very, I don't want to say similar, but like really arm in arm with Beverly Crusher for obvious reasons was Deanna Troy. I feel like with Deanna, we did less changing of the character and just how she was represented on the show. And Uh I have a strong feeling that we're going to do that with Crusher again today because I started reading up on her backstory. I'm a hardcore TNG fan. Hardcore TNG fan. Yeah. It was my first exposure to Star Trek. I was raised on it. It's one of my favorites, if not my f- absolute favorite. And there are some things that I just completely forgotten about with her background. Do tell. She was born on the moon. Really? Completely forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, me too. She was raised by her grandmother. Okay. We know that. Yeah. The Sub Rosa thing. Mm-hmm. I thought she was just close with her grandmother. I completely forgot that she was raised by her grandmother and that her parents died. It might have been on the Arvada 3 colony disaster that happened um, that we know little about. So it might have happened there. But then, you know, Beverly has very little memories of her parents and they kind of infer that she was a little older at the colony. So I don't know. It kind of goes back and forth. But that happened. And we know a little bit about her childhood. But... She went to Starfleet Academy and got married while she was at the Academy. Not the most common occurrence with Starfleet personnel. No, 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 no. And so she went, it says right here that Beverly attended Starfleet Academy from 2342 to 2350. That's a long time. But then again, you're becoming a doctor. Right. That requires a lot of schooling. It takes a lot of schooling. And like one thing that I think is interesting is that it's referenced in DS9 that she went to the Starfleet Medical Academy. But in a show on, but in T, in an episode of TNG, it doesn't say that she went to the medical academy, just that she went to academy, the Starfleet Academy herself. So I guess we could like retcon and say that Starfleet Medical Academy is like a sub school within the overall umbrella of the academy, you know, that kind of right. thing. Right. Or is it a thing where you do kind of like the four, the standard four years in the academy? And then if you are going into the medical aspect of things, then you get into the medical academy and get your medical training 
hardcore. So like she was pre-med while she was going to the academy. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. I think we can d- go with that. And then she goes on to serve on the Stargazer. And this is where we kind of, or, or Jack served on the Stargazer, I should say. So this right. is where we start to learn a little bit more about how Jack was killed because of Picard's actions. And that whole thing, that backstory, right? We all we all know that one. And then she went to the Enterprise and then left the Enterprise and came back because of behind the scenes real life reasons. And, <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically she kind of became stagnant. From there on, because she was the chief medical officer on the flagship of the of the of Starfleet, which yeah. is a huge feather in her cap, she can go and come from um, uh, from being the head of Starfleet Medical as she pleases. I mean, that means that <laughs> she mean, has raw yeah. talent. So one thing that I could not remember when we were having this conversation, I was like, why do I think she went back to Starfleet Medical at the end of Nemesis? Why do I think this? Yeah, and I was telling you, no, he, no, she didn't. And I was wrong. <laughs> no, 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 kind no, 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 no. You, you were right. No, you were technically right. But the reason why I thought that is because it was from a deleted scene where it was implied that she did go back to uh, the Starfleet Medical and it was also in the novelization. So, but canonically, it was not accurate because it was never on screen. Right. So officially I was right, but unofficially you were right. <laughs> Correct. And so there's a lot of stuff in between. Like we know that we, she started a romance with Picard that never really went anywhere. We had an alternate uh. reality with all good things where they got married but then got divorced because writers hate us. <laughs> Pretty much. And we have a Picard series coming out soon where maybe we'll get some answers. Yeah. And are we going to get some appearances by Gates McFadden? We don't know at this point. It would be absolutely moronic not to. And I'm not saying just for fan service, but because she was so integral to Picard's life, past yeah. and present, that she needs to be a part of the future. Agreed. She should be there. If there's anybody who makes a cameo on this show, it really should be her. It should be her, 100%. And if I had my choice, I'd be like, for the service of the story and the service of the character, it should be Crusher. But the fanboy in me, I would want... And I feel like I've said this before. I would want Riker swooping in on the Titan to save somebody's ass. Yeah, of course. And honestly, that's kind of what I'm afraid is going to happen just for the action aspect of things. Is they're going to get a cameo from Frakes or even LeVar Burton, the, you know, the quote unquote bigger name actors that have come from the Star Trek franchise or at least this incarnation of it. You know, everybody knows who they are now. Yeah. If they didn't before, they sure do now because there's still a big presence. Whereas, I mean, Gates McFadden, we know who she is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, her work has not been nearly as widespread and recognized as those two. I feel like um, I'm forgetting how many years have actually gone by. I severely doubt that Riker has been on the Titan for 20 years. (laughs) Well, I mean, it seemed like he was on the Enterprise for about that long, but... (laughs) That's true. So, it would uh, yeah. surprise me. Like, Riker does not strike me as the type who's going to become an admiral. No, no, no. Oh, bored, no. bored, bored. No, I completely disagree. I think he would become an admiral, but he would be really? like a fleet. I think he would be a fleet admiral. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because Riker, the paper pusher, seems incredibly wrong. And I know this is this is no longer a universe that we're in, but in All Good Things, we do see him become an admiral. And he says that one of the benefits of being a fleet admiral is that you get to choose your own flagship. And so that's okay. why he chose the the, re, the revamped Enterprise-D. Now, again, that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen 
in the right. Picard series, but it shows that motivation of the character. But anyway, we're not talking about Riker. We're talking about uh, Beverly no, we're, we're Crusher not. today. Let's talk about her and let's talk about what we want to do to give this character more purpose and presence on the show. If we'd been writing it at the time, what would we do? So let's talk about what we like about Beverly. Okay. Before we talk about what we dislike, let's do that. Let's talk about what we liked, then let's talk about what we disliked, and then change what we disliked. Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that she speaks her mind. She does not care that Picard is captain of the ship. If she has a dissenting opinion, doesn't matter. She's going to say what she needs to say. Yeah. And yeah, I I think it was, uh, even if she would come off as being arrogant or heaven forbid, quote unquote, bitchy. You know, right, she, because that's what happens when a woman stands up for herself. Right. She would do it because she does not care. Yes. And there was something so so appealing of that about that with a character is that it wasn't that it wasn't it wasn't written in a way where you would roll your eyes. You're just kinda like, that's her. That's that's her characterization. Right. Right. Yeah. She really doesn't have time to care about being soft and gently, tactfully giving you the bad news. No, she needs to lay it on the line. And I think Rank has a certain privilege in that, too, where she needs to be direct. We've had we've been blessed with some really good doctors in the Star Trek franchise where they're the CMO and they know they're the CMO because they have to be commanding because in certain situations, they have more power than the captain. Correct. And Beverly Crusher was one of those characters that acknowledged that and judiciously used that power. When she needed to. And I don't think yeah. there was ever really a situation where she stepped outside her bounds. No. No, I don't think she did. She used it very appropriately. It was rare so that when she did do it, you knew she meant business. Mm-hmm. And... You could tell that she positively cared about the crew. And one thing that was that was great about uh, pretty much all the doctors on uh, on Star Trek is that if you were acting like an idiot and constantly getting yourself in trouble or hurting yourself, they would not care. They Their bedside manner was not like, okay, try to do this next time. It's okay to do – they're like, no, stop what you're doing. Stop <laughs> kayaking so hard or your arm is going to fly out of its socket. <laughs> right? Don't be stupid. Yeah. Even if it's job security for me, I don't want to see you back here. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, another thing that I like about Beverly Crusher, she's got a quick wit. I think a part of that comes from Gates McFadden, where they they really, if they would have let her really fly with that, some really oddball things would have come out of her mouth. But she's a much more toned down version of Gates McFadden herself, um, where occasionally something just comes out that is just hilarious. I'm trying to think of who's... I mean, everybody in Star Trek is smart. Everybody's competent. Everybody knows what they're doing. Can you think of another character in the franchise who is as quick-witted as Beverly Crusher? I'm having a hard time. Maybe Paris? Yeah, I would say he's the next closest one in terms of like a sharp wit and funny comebacks, that sort of a thing. A little sense of sarcasm. He Mm -hmm. might actually have a little more of it because they didn't really let Crusher get that word in as much as they should have. Yeah, and also he was much more abrasive yes. than, uh, than Crusher was, I think. Agreed. That's definitely stuff that we like about her. I think that's definitely top of my list, is that she speaks her mind and she's quick-witted. Yeah. And So let's keep all that. What's something that you did not like about 
crush her? Besides, of course, how the writers handled her. What is something <laughs> about the core character you're just like, eh? Just eh? One of my big gripes is the fact that they really did not know what they were going to do with the Picard and Crusher dynamic. They mm. really dropped the ball. They kind of tried to make up for it in season seven and then again dropped the ball in the movies. Are they or aren't they? Honestly, if I were writing the show, I would make them acknowledge it and struggle a little bit, sort of like Janeway and Chakotay, where at least let us know that they are aware that there's something going on between the two of them. And then if even if there is confusion and they decide not to do anything about it, make them work through that. Yeah. Yeah. I even would have taken a passing reference, like in Nemesis, you know, right? like... I, I know this isn't a great service to the character, but what I would have loved to have seen is that, okay, we see Picard, it's late at night, he's in front of his monitor, and he's talking with Starfleet Command or something like that. Uh-huh. And he's in his PJs, he's in his robe or something like that. And then he finishes the conversation, he looks up, and standing opposite of the monitor in his quarters is Beverly in her robe, and she goes, what are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know, I have to think about it. Right? End of scene, cut on, move on. Come on. Yeah, we know that these two are close. Give us anything. Throw us a bone here. It, it it can be as subtle as that. Just, yeah, acknowledge something between them, please. Because they really varied in terms of that, where it was nothing at all, or, oh, we've been having breakfast every morning for years. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, because the plot kind of needed a little injection. Really? Okay, just no. No, define it. Give us something. It's got to be tangible. I liked the breakfast thing a lot. Oh, me too. Me too. It's just, I don't know. If you're going to establish that, you kind of have to follow through then. It's so hard not to define a character by your own ships. And I, by that, I mean shipping. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You, you true, know? true. Because we've all got so many different headcanons floating with the things that we would like to happen and the things that didn't or other people's universes because you've read incessant amounts of fanfic. I'm speaking just for myself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's a big, wide universe full of infinite possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. We, we didn't like that. But that's so how do we turn that into a character point, not just a situational or writing point? Because would we need to make her more aggressive in her romantic life? Here's what I would do is in season one, they established that, yes, these two have a past. It's a little uncomfortable. I would love to have seen before the first season was up tension rise between those two and they have to either bury the hatchet or Beverly's got to move on. Mm. And that could potentially, hindsight being twenty twenty, of course, explain why she was gone in season two. Oh, hmm. That's interesting. Because it was just too much. She wanted to be elsewhere. It was uncomfortable. Uh, maybe Jean-Luc doesn't want to confront it. And that's so frustrating to her. She's just, okay. All right, fine. Off off I go. Bye-bye. I need, I need some time. Give me yeah. my space. Yeah. And That's then meanwhile, please yeah. keep an eye on Wesley for me. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up another big question. She's a mother. Now, how did you think they handled the whole thing with her being the mother to Wesley? And Wesley, of course, is the wonderkin boy genius who saves a ship every week. I never felt like she was the mom. Is that weird to say? No, no, you're you're not off base at all. I've heard so many people say that Beverly Crusher is a bad mother. Right? Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really nurture Wesley as a mother 
in a lot of ways. She just kind of lets him be. It's like he's left to his own devices. He's so smart, he doesn't need her guidance anymore. But he's 15. Yeah, it's just, it, it did feel, <laughs> because that's the thing, is that with the only other real parent that we have for comparison to Star Trek is Cisco. And right. They learned so many lessons where they screwed up, I think, with Wesley and Beverly Crusher, that that really did a great service to Jake Sisko as well as Ben Sisko. I think you're right because they Sisko and Jake Ben and Ben and Jake was such a well developed relationship and so beautiful and flawed and it was real, but lovable. It was so real, and I love seeing that in a sci fi series and. Avery Brooks once said that it was very important for him to be a positive role model as a man of color being a father on television because the representation of that was so low at the time. Totally. 100% correct. And it very much came through. And I think, you know, Avery Brooks's influence on that was very, very uh, tangible and very just outright and in, 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 in front of things. And I feel like with Beverly Crusher, I don't know if... Gates McFadden cared or had the influence or what, but it just did not come across as something important to her character. It was just right? kind of like a side note, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a mom. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Again, not really knowing what to do with that aspect of that character. They establish it, and then they really just don't know how to work with it. We should honestly, like next week or in the coming weeks, we should continue with the Crusher trend and rewrite Wesley, because Ooh. Oh, that that'll be, be fun. That's a gold mine of possibilities, but that's neither okay. here nor there. Well, given that this is a family, that makes some sense. Maybe we just do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so motherhood, what would we change in order to make her a better mom or a more <laughs> transparent mom or like make that more of a core identity? Well, here's the thing is now that you've got me thinking a little bit about Wesley is... There's so many things I would change with Wesley where I would not make him the boy genius and that sort of a thing so that Beverly is more of an actual mom because she has a child that is a teenager who needs to learn a lot of things. <laughs> Maybe he's got high ambition, but she needs to help him get there. Well, I don't think I don't think we need to focus on changing Wesley at the time. Let's try to limit ourselves. And, uh, yeah, we like, have to. Force that creativity because there is still a lot of stuff. I mean, just because you're a genius or smart doesn't mean that you don't need parenting. And I feel like Crusher could have – Beverly could have definitely focused more on that because there were so many times when Wesley was either, you know, like in – he was socially awkward, and as years went on, he became a real jackass. And <laughs> I feel like Beverly uh. could have definitely intervened because there's so many times, especially when I got, got older at 15 or even a little bit older, my dad never stopped parenting me no matter how old I was. And if I right. was acting like a jerk in front of him or if he heard that I was a jerk to somebody and he wasn't there, he would still sit me down and put, put his finger in my chest <laughs> and – I would want to see that from Beverly because I feel like Beverly was so nervous around Wesley. Like, oh, well, okay. Well, I guess if you're going to come and visit and I don't know, it's so nice to see you and go off and do your own thing. Eh. Yeah, Namby, no. pamby, hippy, dippy That's parenting. That's really laissez-faire parenting right there. No, and honestly, I would do almost the opposite. I would have her be 
like she is at her job, direct, speaking her mind. I would have her call out Wesley on some of his crap, like being socially awkward. Like, Wesley, stop hanging around Jordy so much. Get some more friends. <laughs> it's really awkward that you're hanging around this adult man all the time. Who, and I love Jordy, but doesn't necessarily have the strongest set of social skills himself. You have a bad role model in that respect. And and dang it, Wesley, we know you're super smart. Before you go off to the academy, go on a few more dates. Yeah. You know, expand yourself socially. Become a little more socially aware and outgoing and what have you. Because that is certainly an, a, an area where he has a deficit. So maybe in that sense where I would refine Beverly is she has to be a more involved parent. Absolutely. She needs to be aware and acknowledging of where her child has shortcomings. And that does not mean she's a bad parent. And I think in reality, because she's been a single mom for so long, she would need a firm hand, especially with a genius. You would think. You would think. And that's another thing we need to talk about is the fact that death is very much a recurring theme in Beverly's life. She lost her parents. She lost Jack. How has that affected her over time? Maybe she's got some apprehension about Wesley wanting to enter Starfleet because she knows what a dangerous profession this is. That would have made a really great storyline about her not wanting him to go into Starfleet. Right? What if they had done that where she doesn't want her child to go into the Academy, but it's like the one goal he has in life and they're fighting over it? That would be interesting if we made, if it was a little bit more of a, if we added a character flaw into Beverly by making her an overprotective parent. Ooh, because I mean, really, he is what she has. And maybe she's already apprehensive and and feeling crazy because she's like, I'm on the Enterprise D. Maybe I almost didn't take this assignment because we'd be on the final frontier and it's no place for children. But yet this is where my career is taking me. And so I have to take my child, but I don't want him to be here because it's so dangerous. And the idea of him going to Starfleet on his own is just beyond me. Like I lost Jack. I could lose him now. (laughs) You know, like I lost my parents. It is like, yeah, I think that would changing that character to be a more involved to an extreme to where yeah. it's a flaw, I think would really enrich the storyline, the drama, and the character. So we're turning Beverly into a helicopter mom, but with very understandable motivations. And of course, Wesley being a teenager is going to say, back off, mm-hmm. let me be my own person. This is who I want to be. But I do think also it would help if there's a little bit of sensitivity there where, look, I know you're nervous, mom, because you lost dad and I miss him too. They're going to have to have that heart to heart moment at some point. Yeah, I still think ultimately Wesley is going to do what he's going to do, but there's going to be a lot of apprehension on Beverly's part about it. I feel like with a female character who is a mom, it's very hard to balance the portrayal of motherhood and career and competency because you want to do it from a feminist perspective, but you also want to do it from a dramatic perspective. And because the show has already made her a mom, we could either take that away, but then we'd be erasing another major character, which I don't think would be smart. No, that doesn't make any sense. And so because of that, like this is a defining characteristic for her and it doesn't take away from her competency of her job. Not at all. Actually, because she's such a casual mom in the show, in order to add more drama and to add a character flaw, I think this is a good step forward and it doesn't take it away anything from her character. If anything, it just adds to it. Can we make the episode title for this show, Casual Mom? 
casual mom, cool mom. Like, yeah, yeah. like I'm not one of those regular moms. But no, that does not suit Beverly whatsoever. She was just like, okay, Wesley, you do you, honey. Do you guys want a snack? Maybe a condom? You know, like, what do you need? <laughs> oh, my God. With her being the chief medical officer, is she giving Wesley reproduction boosters? Oh, my gosh. How oh my gosh. would that be? We would have to talk about that storyline. We would need to have oh. the sex talk. Oh, no. <gasps> yeah, oh, okay. For Wesley, this is horrifying. Truly horrifying. Oh, and how would that go in the 24th century? You know, like, what's right. the what's Okay, the are we thinking process? about this completely wrong? Like, is it totally cool because you are protecting yourself and taking precautions as you should and it's the responsible thing to do and it's no big deal? Or is Beverly going to freak out? My baby can't be having sex. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would be so <gasps> crazy. And also, like, when, you know, like, when Wesley was of dating age, this was in the early 90s. And so a lot right? of stuff was going on in the 90s. Yeah, with... I mean, AIDS awareness, STDs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, you know, just programs coming into our schools, like, bulking up such sex education. So this would have been a, a prime time. And there was a lot of young people who watched Star Trek Next Generation. Totally. Totally. So you can send a very powerful message about responsible sex if you're going to have it. Wow, why didn't they do this? This, oh, I mean, it would have been so hard, though, at the time to not make it feel like an after-school special done in space. So true. And yet, a very relevant topic that, honestly, now looking back on it, it's a surprise that they did not tackle it. You know, it is one thing that we do know about sex in the 24th century, at least from Worf's perspective, he thinks that humans are way too casual with sex. And so that's something <laughs> that we know from a cultural standpoint. And, you know, I feel like it could go either way where Beverly is just like, okay, because humans are so casual with sex, you got to protect yourself. You got to be responsible. You got to be respectful. You know, blah, 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 blah. You got to do this. Right. Um, or other times it's just like, eh. You know, you could go the other way where it's just like, whatever. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah, I have a feeling Wesley, There, I, I've, or I have a scene envisioning in my head where Wesley approaches his mom. He's nervous. He does not want to have this conversation, but he has to because he has to go to her to, to get the hypospray and says, mom, you know that I've been seeing so-and-so for a little while. I think I'm ready can you, can you give me the little hypo thing? And so Beverly sighs and she says, I, I've not been looking forward to having this conversation, but I'm really proud that you are wanting to be responsible about this. So of course, like she's going to, in that sense, maybe she is going to be a little bit of the cool mom where she's going to handle it very rationally and put him at ease. Like she doesn't like it, but she knows that this was going to happen. I want to ramp it up. Okay. I want to ramp it up even more. Okay. How? Okay. Do you remember in the Voyager episode where Harry is- Yes. Um, yes, I like do. Sleeps with the alien. Love? Like he gets the glowy STD. Yes. Okay. So it's established that it is procedure for Starfleet officers to get permission from the chief medical officer of the ship- 
in order to have sexual relations with an with an alien species unknown to the Federation, uh, like that's not previously approved. So right. What, what if he gets hot and heavy with some random alien and he has to go to Beverly? Like, say he goes to Nurse Agawa and says, listen, I I like following the rules. I need to follow the rules. I, I, I think I love this girl. We want to take it to the next level. And a Nurse Agawa goes, sorry, Wes. I don't have the authority to approve this. You got to go to the CMO. And he's like, yeah, but the CMO is my mom. She's like, sucks to be you. Sorry, that's what you got to do. <laughs> I would love to see that scene yeah, where he does go to Nurse Ogawa first. And mm-hmm. she says, no can do, Sonny. And so then it comes then down it to the conversation with Beverly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because that's something also that a teenager would do is, is there some way I can circumvent my parents not knowing, like going to Planned oh, Parenthood yeah. or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and I feel like because we're making her like hel- helicopter parent, I don't think she'd be cool with it. But then she has to. I think what we would do this would this is what would happen in the '90s, and this is what would happen on Star Trek if we kind of altered her character. If she was a helicopter parent, she, he would be forced to go to her. She would say, "No, nope, you're too young, not ready." Blah blah blah. They'd go back and forth throughout the episode. Uh, you know, he tries to temper, like he thinks about maybe going against uh, behind her back against Starfleet. Uh, regulations and then she finally comes around and says okay i understand that sex is a part of life and you you know you're you're an adult now you can make your own decisions but at that time wesley goes you know what i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait Mm. oh so he's gonna go the abstinence route that's what would happen in the 90s where she would be cool like she wouldn't be cool about it then all of a sudden she would be cool about it and then he'd be like eh, it's okay i don't need to right now we have to think hardcore about what sort of a message that sends and is that good? Is that bad? Is it responsible? Because yes, ideally, if you aren't ready to have sex, you do not have sex. But it is a really, it is a part of life. And so- That's why you get both messages. How, you get the you get the explanation yeah, from her. But then like ultimately, like is abstinence the final word? The abst- abstinence is the final word because it was chosen by Wesley, but he had the option to have sex. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that is a very 90s answer. See, there you go. And <laughs> Today, that's what that I'm might be different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. I, I don't know if I fully like that. And yet, if we were in 1992, that is probably the ultimate conclusion. Any of the writers in the room probably would have said, yeah, that's the route we should go. We should explore all the possibilities. We're going to make Beverly come around. And then Wesley's going to track back. Oh, yeah. No, if it was made today, um, he would be having an orgy by episode six and she would just be throwing condoms <laughs> oh, at him from on. the background. <laughs> So, I mean, it's 2018. I mean, what's the point unless you have 16 other partners helping you out? Um, This is an area that I've uh, personally not, I don't know anything about the dating scene of today. I've been married so long. Honestly, it scares me. Like what's out there? Just it's a world I have no understanding of. So I'll just take your word for it. Well, uh, my word is really just from watching HBO. So, I mean. Oh, well. (laughs) Maybe it's a skewed perspective. You know, I think reality is somewhere in between. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. HBO. I mean, I've seen some HBO. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving yeah. on. Okay, so th- this is an interesting thing that we've developed between Beverly and Wesley. What uh, what more about Beverly should yes, we tackle right now? Like little Beverly. things, and then we should probably wrap up our show. Specifically, Beverly. I feel like one thing that I didn't like is her doing the night shift. I didn't like. I didn't really like that. Why is she working nights? She's the chief medical officer. Yeah. Why is she working nights? Why is she in command? 
it just felt wrong for her character. I know that like in All Good Things, we see her with her own command, and I think that's cool. But at the time, it just felt weird. Hmm. So should we drop that or should we refine it to make a little more sense? Like maybe does she eventually have an interest in the command track where she does want to be like Doctors Without Borders on a ship. She goes around and just helps people or something like that. I would love to see more focus like that. I think that would be great to show more episodes and more of her being that CMO, but in the field on the ground, which we didn't see too terribly much. Like what would happen is some crazy stuff would happen on the ground and then like there'd be an explosion. She'd beam down and she's like, oh my God, I need to I need to get them back to the Enterprise. Beam out, then magic would happen behind the scenes and then Bob's your uncle, they're healthy again. Yeah. I would love to see her in the thick of it on the ground. We did this a little bit with Bashir where he would be in a war zone or he would be in the middle of an epidemic. I would want to see more of that with with Beverly and where she leads her own team they're going into it. They're going after it. There's a disease or another war zone or something like that. Yeah, handling some kind of big disaster on a massive scale that something like requires that. a lot of triage organization. She just goes right down there and handles it like a pro. And maybe we have a little modified version of the episode Disaster with Deanna Troy where that gave her a taste of command where Crusher already has a taste of command because she is the CMO. But maybe they're in a situation where Picard's out, Riker's out, and so everybody else has to report to Crusher to because, because ah. she's she has a commander status, and so she has to manage engineering teams, she has to manage um, you know security detail and everything like that, and she does a fantastic job, and it's not her idea to pursue command track. Somebody comes up to her, like maybe Picard or Riker or something says, listen, you have the ability to do this. You should seriously think about it. I would love it if Picard gave her that, like planted that seed in her brain and mm-hmm. made her think about it. And then that would still make all good things make sense, but we don't necessarily need to see her do the night shift. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that would be kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, I think that's good. So, yeah, I think that's fleshing her out, giving her a little more purpose, uh, making her a much better mother overall. Absolutely. (laughs) And then next week, we're going to tackle Wesley. So bring on the crushers. Let's do it. Let's we'll have a, a crusher uh, two-parter. So this is fantastic. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, please make sure to subscribe to our show. Uh, if you would like to submit a topic that you would like us to talk about, please go to thenerdparty.com/contact. So like, punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us all over on social media. Just go to thenerdparty.com to find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. You can find me at Oh the Profanity. Next week, we're going to be talking about Wesley Crusher, and uh, not only are we going to crush it, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.